Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Strength in the Numbers. Now our guest mentor today is Mike Cotswaite and Mike started his finance and accounting career 18 years ago as a consultant but is now founder and CEO of Finance Year LLC and Mike's company won Gartner's Cool New Vendor Award and counts large multinationals such as Chrysler and British Airways amongst its customers. Whilst as a finance professional, Mike has set up an amazing company, what we spend most of our time talking about is integrative planning. Mike is a recognised expert and global thought leader on integrative planning. So some of the areas we cover in the episode is why agile influencing is important for finance accounting professionals and also what type of agile approach works best for us. Also, Mike goes into the distinction between push and pull projections and integrative planning and why that is actually quite important, how much impact we can make in the business. And also Mike makes a further case for a strategic finance function and what this might look like or involve if we chose to do something like this. So look, there's really great insights in this show, really valuable stuff that that drives sustainable growth. And this is another topic we talk on. So I highly encourage you to check the timestamp show notes with some of the key quotes from the episode. And you can find those at sitnshow.com slash podcast slash 062 so that's enough for me so without further ado over to mike and the show sure i'd love to so i started my career in finance and accounting about 18 years ago with a company called alcar alcar is a a modeling and strategy company that focused on discounted cash flow valuation Um, it was founded by two professors from kellogg school of management in chicago uh, and it was a great first job. Okay. Um, I traveled around the globe, uh, helped helped companies, uh, you know, set their strategy. Uh, and you know, all the while, I you know, was 22 when I started. Uh, you know, I never I never bought milk in the morning or you know on the weekends because I wasn't sure if I was going to be around during the week <laughs> to, to drink the milk. But um, that said, it was it was a great uh, great introductory to to finance and accounting. And, and like in terms of how your journey's progressed since then, um, sort of what other experiences did you yeah. pick up? Yeah, sure. So actually, the interesting thing about, about technology is that over time, it tends to get consolidated and you know, acquired. And that's really what happened with, with Alcar. So uh, I think in 2003, it was acquired by Hyperion Solutions, um, which was then acquired by Oracle. Um, so that really pushed uh, my background from being purely on the strategy, valuation, modeling side to being able to really sort of integrate that into uh, a more integrated business planning process with kind of your, your typical tactical budgeting and forecasting processes. So although I wasn't heavy in the tactical uh, budgeting and forecasting activities, I was very heavy in the linkage of that all the way through strategy. So that, that's kind of the space I operate in today. Uh, and that's the space I feel very comfortable with. And, and that's, that's the area that I call home. All right. So in terms of that area you call home, like how how did you get familiar with that? I mean, you know, a number of our audience are also operating in that space. You know, sort of what what practical steps could they perhaps follow that you've learned that that you might be able to share with them and and us to to help them 
get a bit more comfortable. Yeah, well, I think it, I think it helped in my situation that you know the Alcar company, my first company, was founded by two two professors that focused on valuation. Mm-hmm. So they sort of you know banged it into our heads that we had to understand this kind of cash flow valuation. And I think we went in very kind of heavy and deep into the concept, um, to almost to a to a fault because to this day I'm I'm still extremely passionate about uh, long range planning, the focus on the future. Uh, and, and creating shareholder value. So you get this concept of uh, a lot of people are focusing on sales or operating profit or just certain areas of, of the financial relationship. And, and, and it's, it's really sort of just a, a local efficiency if you think about it. So you can optimize a certain element, but the whole system is really about you know, creating sustainable cash flow. Um, so I, I, would, I would recommend trying to have that, that broader view. Obviously, we talk about the broader view of financial data and so forth. But just have the broader view of you know the relationship of, of finance, uh, and don't focus on kind of the the individual uh, localized uh, efficiencies. Okay, so so what does um so do, do maybe sort of give us some some tips as to how to make sure we look at that broader view. I mean, what 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 how would we know we're looking at the broader view rather than the local sort of efficiencies? Yeah, yeah, sure. So a lot of companies, you know, they'll be given sort of a directive or something that says something like we need to grow market share. You know, or we need to, uh, you know, uh, increase net income, mm-hmm. for example, yeah. right? And, and those are really just local efficiencies. Yeah, so, okay. uh, you know, most companies do pretty well when they focus on some of those leading sort of indicators, I guess, or, or, or obvious areas for improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, but some companies actually literally go out of business or struggle to actually sustain that growth. Completely agree. So, so you can go in and you can increase your market share only to find out that, uh, you know, the cost of acquisition to get into that market was greater than the, the incremental revenue, or you can find out that it's just not sustainable, right? So it, it's good for one year or two years, and then it falls back out. Both of those cases are examples of really not looking at the financials as a whole system where sustainable growth is the, the, the ultimate output. And so it's just having that broader view. And I think, I think the best thing we can do as finance people is really to educate the company on that message. Yes. You know, we don't need them to be experts in finance, nor do we want them to be. But understanding that kind of whole operational system, if you will, in a, in a finance sense, um, I, I personally don't think is, 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 is too tough. And I think it's, it's well worth our experience as finance people to, to, to get the rest of the business understanding that. Yeah, I really, I really like how you got to the sustainability point mike because for me i you know i've worked with multinationals and with smes and yes there's this sort of chasing of growth uh, mm-hmm. and ideally profitable growth but sometimes what gets missed in the in the race is that sustainability angle and i think as finance professionals we have this responsibility to make sure decisions are taking in a taken in a sustainable manner i mean if you look at so you know i think there was some analysis done around the fortune 500 and like you know the list that was there two thousand in year two thousand, apparently like sixty percent of those are no longer on the list. You know, uh, and they were massive companies. Yet they didn't. You know, I'd say with probably very large accounting and finance departments. Yet they didn't build sustainable businesses. So, right. uh, yeah. so in what you're sort of saying, then, Mike, if I, I catch you right, is, is it really comes back to taking that broader view and how to to create and drive shareholder value. So, so in terms of our audience, like. If they were to take maybe two or three small steps to to do that uh, towards that sustainable building a more sustainable business or helping their organizations have more sustainable decisions impacting decisions 
like maybe what two or three steps they could perhaps take? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So when we think about it, right, we're thinking about that sustainability, that that growth, kind of the finance world. We've all heard probably the the Gordon growth valuation model, <laughs> which relies very heavily on a letter named G, which is growth, right? So how do you sustain that growth? And we all have in our mind kind of this different vision or view of what growth would look like. Mm-hmm. But I think broadly, really what growth looks like, uh, it's not a straight line. It's not linear. Um, it's, it's not flat. Usually what it is for organizations is it's actually what we would call, it's got a lot of different names, but I typically use the J curve. Okay. So it, it starts off, you invest in a product to kind of, you know, you're investing, so it's going down and then it eventually swings up. Wow. Uh, hits a plateau at the top. That's when you're investing in the business, but your growth is kind of sustaining. And then eventually it kind of falls back down a little bit. So I think the key is, um, without going into too much detail there, is is really to understand where your business is. Break it down into different subunits uh, and figure out where your strategy really lives, i.e. where are you sustaining growth and what stage are you in? Mm-hmm. Are you in an investment stage? Are you in the growth stage, the plateau, decline, steady state? And I think that's the literally the best piece of advice I could give anyone who's kind of getting into strategy or looking at strategy analytics. It's about the big picture. It's not about an individual revenue or individual cost. It's about the big picture, how it interacts, and then understanding where your business is, uh, what stage it's in. So you can optimize that, right? You want to stay in growth stage as long as you can. You know, Staying in plateau is not a bad thing. You're still creating value. Obviously, you want to get out of the investment stage typically pretty early, but mm-hmm. um, that, that's the best information I can give. And I think that's the best visual uh, that, I've, that I've ever used uh, um, when it comes to analytics and, and strategy mm-hmm. is that sort of J-curve uh, idea. Yeah, look, I, I do sort of see what you're saying. And I actually do agree with that as well. I think what we, we do is we try probably guilty, maybe, I don't know, of our schooling or whatever, to try and reduce things to linear models. The world doesn't operate in a very in a linear fashion. I mean, look at the right. seasons, the cycles, economic cycles, boom, bust. It's not straight line. So, right. you know, we have to appreciate um, that there's a lifetime associated with any decisions we make. And it's figuring out where we are in terms of that curve, whatever that curve looked like. And mm-hmm. and again, I think that's where analytics and modeling come into play. Actually, speaking of which, you must have seen some um, particularly strange, crazy, unique cases during your career working with different businesses and analyzing those. Um, any key sort of things stand out to you or any key yeah. um, examples you could perhaps share with our audience? Yeah, well, obviously, uh, so I, I was very diverse in the companies that I looked at. So everything from pig farms to, to steel companies to utilities to uh, you name it. And so, I mean, getting back to the pig farm concept, I mean, to see sort of number of, you know, number of kills and, 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 and things like that on the, on the P&L was a, bit, uh, was a bit of an eye-opener. What I found most interesting, really what pushed me forward the most, was that even though I dealt with a lot of different companies, a lot of different business plans, the, the real problems that they encountered were actually the same exact problems. Uh, and those problems were really down to sort of agility, you know, the, the ability to really, uh, you know, communicate differences in ideas. Okay. Um, so, you know, just being able to really share those those differences of op- opinion and in order to form consensus and really um, take on sort of a, an influencer role and try to influence others. It's very difficult. So you can think about it, you know, in your mind, 
you, you know, you're sitting, uh, you present some information to a CFO, let's say. CFO has a bunch of different ideas. It's already late at night, wants the answers really quick, quickly. That's the whole iterative nature mm -hmm. that can't be avoided in, especially in strategy. It's all, it's all about being agile and being able to turn on a dime and to change different ideas and to, to see if that makes sense. And if it doesn't, throw it away. Uh, that, that's really what it's, what it's all about. And that was always the most difficult thing to do. So, you know, a, a building a model, an initial model, mm -hmm. wasn't a challenge. In fact, one of the biggest challenges I had in, in pre-sales was to explain to someone why, you know, well, I can have an analyst here and, and that analyst can build a, a great model mm -hmm. uh, and that model will be great and work perfectly for the strategic planning model. Why do I need to, you know, get consulting and, and buy their services and so forth? And the answer was always, it, it doesn't matter where your model is when you start the modeling process, right? It's where your model ends at the end of the planning process and how many iterations did it go through and how many different ideas did you discuss, debate, ultimately throw away most of them, but form consensus around the best ideas. And, and that's a real challenge. Okay. Um, but that, that, that was the problem people were experiencing. So, okay. So look, that, that seems... Um... I think it's a challenge a lot of us have faced when, when developing models and then having conversations around them. And, and would it be fair to say the concept you're sort of proposing is like being like agile influencers then? Is that is that a sort of a good term to describe it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, agile gets used, used a lot yeah. in a lot of different contexts. I think sometimes agile gets used um, to mean efficient. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and really, that's not what I'm talking about here at all. I'm talking more true, you know, agile framework that we hear kind of from the, the you know, the IT, the development space. So the idea that, you know, a waterfall approach yes. to addressing, uh, to addressing how to, you know, how to build a solution or answer a problem it is really not going to work in the strategy world. We need to be able to start with a prototype. Yep. Uh, we need to be able to, you know, that could be one person spearheading that initiative and then swarming that or inviting other people to come into that process and to make suggestions and alternatives in a way that that you know in today's world right here here's the challenge in today's world is you know if you took an environment and you allowed everyone to to make suggestions and alternatives you know you'd end up with a major version control issue and so how do you avoid that version control how do you make those different ideas actually come across like communication and suggestions so that it's easy to piece together what is the optimal strategy. So then you can take that strategy and, and, and send that down to tactical planning, um, which is which is budgeting and forecasting. These are actually some of the things that we're working on uh, with finance here. And again, this has been my passion project for the last few years. Yeah, we, we love discussing people's passions on this show. So in terms of maybe your passion at the moment or what's exciting you most, Mike, uh, do you mind maybe sharing a bit more about that with our audience? Yeah, sure. Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, I know the audience is probably full of uh, finance and accounting people. I do think technology is is really shaping the way we are going to do things in the future. I think you're seeing that a lot, um, both on the tactical side of planning, so again, the budgeting forecasting side, as well as on the strategic side. So I think on the tactical side, you know, again, tactical to me is all about efficiency, building efficiency and mit mitigating risk. Uh, and I think you're seeing a lot of that with even things like AI. I know that's a, a pretty popular buzzword. But I think AI is pushing that boundary quite well. Um, prescriptive analytics, giving the idea that you know th that that the computer is going to make uh, suggestions for us. I think that's coming along. Um, but that's not the space that I operate in. I'm more on the other side, which is the strategic side, which I don't believe will benefit from AI at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it'll benefit from uh, risk risk. 
Um, and the reason why I say that is because in the strategy world, you're beyond uh, you know very strong levels of, of, of probability. You're sort of in the space of I need to influence the world because if you can't if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, then you really should influence the direction of, of things. And that's what strategy is all about. And the exciting thing there again is is just the proliferation of, of agile. I, I don't think it's I think it's just at the cusp in the finance world. Um, but I think we look around, we talk to people. Uh, people have a great understanding of agile and agile tools, team-based tools. We're not talking enterprise tools per se here. We're talking about you know team-based tools for teams to get things done. And there's a, a whole host, not not in the in the finance world per se, but you know with uh, you know Slack and um, you know Microsoft Teams and and all these you know all these solutions out there in other industries and just in general usage that are really bringing kind of team-based collaboration and agile approaches. I think there's a, a lot of buzz and excitement there in the, in the finance world. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, on the one hand, like similarly, I'm very excited about the technology agenda, digital finance and the disruption and opportunity that's causing. But I, I definitely don't think it's the magic pill. I think it's a case of it'll get us a lot of efficiencies in the short term. But, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of the, 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 the initial AI I'm seeing and the influence of that, I don't think it's it's got the ability to inf- uh, influence or impact or compete even, sorry, compete even with our abilities to appreciate context and empathy in terms of getting mm-hmm. some of right. these strategies over the line. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, another another way to say that is just objective and subjective, right? I think we have this world where we're, we're building up a lot of, uh, and, and this actually is also what I like to refer to as kind of push and pull. Okay. Uh, so we're getting a lot of push and pull projections. So we're, we're, we're in a position now where we have more information. It's more relevant than ever before. So we're, we're taking that information and we're, we're pushing it forward with projections. Um, and AI is certainly very, very guilty of that. <laughs> and, uh, that's what it leverages, right? It leverages relevant data. Um, but I think, I think there's going to be a wall there between where that's going to be very effective I think a lot of that information that we use today has you know, a fidelity that kind of disappears over time. Uh, and plus, strategy is really about understanding what works today and, and breaking it, right? It's about yeah. being disruptive so you can go into markets and opportunities. You can, uh, you can expand um, you know, current constraints, break down bottlenecks. Those require investments today, usually. Um, but then you go in and you you take advantage of those. So it's really not about the data. So in that world, it's about influencing, which is another way of saying it's about pull, pull planning. Yeah. So being able to take that data and pull it across um, and uh, and plan that way. And it's really the harmony of both mm-hmm. is what really integrated planning is all about. But but you know the, the the confusion on a lot of cases is we need just one or we can use just the other, uh, and that's where a lot of mistakes occur. Yeah, actually, you know, I think you're the first person I've spoken with. Mike, that has actually, I, th- I think you've probably hit the strategy on nail on the head there because in my mind, strategy is all about trying to break things and figuring out yeah. how to disrupt, you know, yeah. whether that's yeah. an internal assumption or or something externally within our own industry or as a lot of other companies are finding to their advantage now as industries uh, that they've never competed in before. And I think that's a big concern for a lot of uh, finance leaders I'm speaking with is actually they're now under threat from companies in other industries and they 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 got a sense that a few years down the line they'll be having new competitors from industries that they, they've not even conceived before now going into their traditional space right 
So yes, absolutely. So it's it's really about breaking down boundaries, you know, as you were sort of saying as well. So again, I think I really like how you described that for our audience. So appreciate you doing that, Mike. Sure, sure. And just we're just one little point on that, and that's why I bring it back to the J curve because the J curve shows the investment, right? That's the that's the initial downturn. That's how you break. That's how you make the investment into to breaking and hacking the the current approach. And then you know the growth comes out of that uh, on the outside. And then really, what you're looking at again in the long run is is opportunities. So you're screening for opportunities. And on the other side, it's not really risk that you're looking to mitigate because risk implies probability. What you're really looking at is the threats. So it's it could be corporate threats, you know, competitor threats. Uh, could be these black swans we talk yes. about. Uh, those are the things that that we need to be constantly screening and evaluating for. And um, and that requires kind of an always-on agile approach. Yeah, just in terms of scanning for those, I'm being a bit cheeky here, Mike, but uh, you're probably sharing some of your proprietary insights with us, but uh, I'll ask anyway. So, so you know, is there any sort of tips for making sure that we're scanning for those, those some of those black swans that we probably find difficult to even imagine at this point in time? Yeah, sure. So this is, this is again, where my passion lies right now. And I think I think there's sort of two areas that, that need to be dug into. I think, one, we need to... Um, you know, we need to, you know, the people process technology. I think we need to help the right people involved in, in strategy by really putting forward the right processes and the right technology. So let me just go on the processes side for, for a second. So uh, I, I think, you know, we talk about strategic planning, but quite frankly, that word is very watered down. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, a lot of times what happens, even if it is in the finance space, um, it's, it's very structured. It's done once, a, you know, once a year for a couple weeks at best. Um, it's not really believed in very much. Quite frankly, it's, it's, it's its own worst enemy in many cases. Maybe that's a little harsh. Um, so I'm, I'm actually, one of my initiatives is really to, to, to push the, the benefits or the needs for a, what we call a strategic finance function. And that is sort of a, a partner to finance, but also a partner to the business that is constantly screening for opportunities and threats. Okay. So as we said in the last, the last part, so really focusing on that, understanding, taking the goals from senior executive, turning them into value creation uh, uh, plans uh, that can get you know, challenged and discussed and debated, uh, and, and obviously then you know, hand it off to, to the budgeting process so that it can be, become a reality. So on the process side, that that's that's really where I'm focused. And then on the technology side with financier, you know, we're building out that sort of first solution that really focuses again on enabling uh, anyone to evaluate any different uh, uh, you know, modeling idea, whether that be different assumptions, different rules, be able to add or change those rules in real time, whether you're sitting in a conference room with a group of people or whether you're back at your desk, and really capture those those activities, those changes as, as deltas, as incrementals, and be able to share those in a way that doesn't, that, that, that feels like communication uh, and doesn't create version control issues. Oh. So we're looking at things like, you know, a branch and merge. So branch and merge is a great technology in the uh, IT space. So a lot of developers are using uh, tools like Git um, to branch mm -hmm. and merge their code that they're writing all across the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but when it comes to doing that in the modeling world, we sort of prefer these sort of core-based data data solutions or architectures where everything is centralized and centrally controlled and managed, uh, and it's just not very effective for for strategy. 
Yeah, that that sounds that sounds like uh, finance probably has a bit bit way to to come, which is why you're sort of proposing that there's a a strategic is it like a strategic finance function that serves the the business as well as finance? Yeah, I think so. So I think I think you know it's it, it would make perfect sense to you know rather than take business people and try to make them finance people or take finance people and try to make them business you know business people one hundred percent you know really really optimize the both you know the the strengths of both. Yeah. And I think you know finance can 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 bring this kind of concept of agile financial modeling. Uh, they can embed themselves within the business. Uh, maybe they're the person that starts the sprint, for example, mm-hmm. and then they quickly invite others in uh, into the sprint process. Um, again, with different branching and merging, you're allowing different individuals in the business to suggest different ideas. If those ideas aren't very good, well, we can discuss, debate, maybe discard. Or we can discuss, debate, and keep. Either way, all that branching, emerging, all that conversation is really still kept. So we have a full record of you know how thoroughly we evaluated different ideas and different businesses, and that that's the way that 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 really strategic planning or strategic finance really should work. Shouldn't be that kind of very rigid once a year, two week process. Yeah, definitely, uh, it doesn't work. I mean, if I can, real quick, yeah. I'll, I'll just give you a little, uh, a little example. Yeah, I'd so, love to. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Let's say you're walking down the street here. This is an analogy, by the way. You're walking, you're walking down the street. It's dark at night. You have a, you know, a flashlight or a torch in your hand. Um, and, you know, you kind of know where you're going, so you're kind of walking straight down the path. Um, but you're kind of using your, your flashlight or your torch to kind of go to the left, to the right a little bit. You're sort of looking for maybe a different path that might be a little less rocky, or you're looking for maybe a, a critter to jump out or something. So that, that's your opportunity, and that's your threat. You know, you're, you're kind of moving your flashlight back and forth. You're, you're really screening for opportunity, and you're doing that the whole time you're walking, all right? Um, and obviously, at certain points, you might be in a darker area even. You might flash it around even a little bit more, a little bit faster, more vigorously. Other times, maybe not so much. Um, but at the same time, you're not walking that same path. I mean, your feet are still firmly on the path. You're still going forward, and you're just kind of keeping your eye out for, for alternatives. And that's kind of really sort of the one of the best analogies I can kind of come up with with sort of strategic finance function. It's just a constant screening process, looking for opportunities. Yes, most things you won't take advantage of, um, but it's but it's the the need to do that because that's really where the value yeah. is. You know, let's talk about the budgeting process saying, oh, it takes too long. Um, we're always doing it. And I always want to compact that process, which is true, you do. Um, but on the strategy side, it doesn't involve everyone, it involves less people, less time, less effort, but it's something you want to do more of. I mean, the more you can evaluate alternative ideas and, and, and opportunities and, and catch the market uh, on an early side and find disruption, you know, that's a good thing. We should be doing more of that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I like like the way you did that analogy, Mike. And and for me, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in, in the strengths-based approach. So in, in finance, we have many strengths. And yes, in some people, we've probably developed that agile approach to strategy and influencing um, already and therefore we've got an existing strength but like in terms of you know particularly we come from a smaller company environment i find where we're probably given the responsibility for for doing doing pretty much everything whereas larger companies finance might have lost the ability to do that so i can sort of see what you're saying i can sort of see the value of constantly monitoring the environment and I, 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 again, it's an important activity, whether it sits in finance or not, it needs right. to be done by the business. Um, otherwise, there will be no sustainable business. So appreciate Absolutely. you uh, now going through that concept. Now, Mike, I've got to uh, go up a few, shifted up a few gears. 
and um, I ask you some rapid fire questions. Uh, I, yeah, I know. Found my kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in terms of, in terms of advice, you probably received bits over the years. What what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's advice or if it's just kind of sunk in over time, but I think um, you know, I would say persistence and grit. I mean, those those are the two things. Uh, they sort of mean the same thing. But I, I think you know, having persistence or building up persistence is really the, the the key to success, right? So you can be very intelligent, super smart, you know, you can be a subject matter expert on something, but really what the key is in success and even long-term success is really to just maintain and consistently be persistent uh, and have grit, you know, don't give up, keep moving forward, um, you know, grind it out, put the hours in, do the reps, you know, that that's been the thing that that you know was given to me probably as a piece of advice and um and i would have to say that's that's the one thing that's kind of helped me out the most over the years when we we're putting that persistence and grit in it it's a case of also maintaining the energy levels as well oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i think as imagine particularly when serving clients modeling and, and um consulting with them i think you know, I think there could be pretty long weeks. And as you said, you know, there's no point in you buying milk previously. But, um, in terms of maybe resources you could recommend our audience, would there be any particular book you could perhaps uh, share with us that you found useful and maybe your audience would as well? Yeah, let me think about that for a second. So, so I think a book I read recently, um, which was suggested to me from a friend um, that I would recommend, that I think is actually um, very applicable actually to the discussion, um, is a book called A Curious Mind. Um, and it's by a man named Brian Grazer, G-R-A-Z-E-R. So Brian was the, or is a producer in Hollywood and he produced uh, A Beautiful Mind. Oh, great show. Uh, I think he worked on that with Ron Howard. I think, I think those two are a tandem team. Mm-hmm. Um, but A Curious Mind is, is really the concept of, you know, as kids, we, we are naturally very curious, but over time we sort of lose our curiosity. Yeah. Uh, and he's really talking about how, um, how if you just maintain that curiosity, it'll actually make you a much better leader, right? You'll ask the right questions. You'll, you'll develop a knack for asking the right questions. Um, when you don't know an answer, uh, you know, sometimes the answer just comes about. Even the person you ask the questions to solves their own problems sometimes by just asking questions. So um, I found it to be uh, a really positive read. Um, and, you know, he used in all sorts of circumstances i mean even in situations where he felt uncomfortable a little nervous uh you know he was kind of the 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 light the big lights were on him a little too early and he didn't know what to do but but just asking the right questions uh was was it it enabled him to really assess the the situation not only help himself make good decisions uh for the team but but in some kind in some cases he just asked the right questions and those questions helped other people you know in their functions as well uh, so it was really uh, kind of a multiplicative uh, uh, benefit. So, so I would say that's a, a very good read, and I, I definitely recommend. And yeah, thanks for sharing that resource, Mike. And, and I suppose in terms of uh, if should any of our audience wish to follow up with you after the show, uh, what's the best way uh, to connect with you at? Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, LinkedIn would be a great one. Um, so I'm on there, Mike Michael Huthwaite. You might stumble across my my retired father as well on there, but uh, but otherwise. Uh, I'm the uh, the non-retired guy, um, but uh, otherwise, um, you know, our website's always a good place to to, to go as well. So that's financier. So it's uh, www.financier.com. Um, we'd be glad to to you know get back to you there as well. Uh, 
That's fantastic, Mike. And look, I'll put all those resources and website links into the show notes as well. That'll go out after the show. And uh, Mike, I just wanted to sort of say thanks for taking the time to invest with us today to talk about some of our challenges with strategic financial planning around agility as well, and also reinforcing the idea of sustainability in our businesses as well, which again, I think is very important concepts to uh, our audience to make sure that we, we actually end up having you know, fun, rewarding and successful careers in finance as well, because you know, we haven't got sustainable businesses, we won't have sustainable chances for opportunities for us to grow as well. So really appreciate you coming on to the show today, Mike. Thanks, Emil. Yeah, thank you very much, Andrew. It was my pleasure. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.